You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders, for coders, about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Whoa, you can't ask that. Now that we've discussed the various interviewing skills you'll need to get the job, we're going to talk about some of the things that you'll see from interviewers that may have you wondering if you're in the right place. Bad interview questions can indicate an interviewer who doesn't know how to interview or might not even understand what software developers actually do. Regardless, if you are going to interview successfully, you should learn how to overcome bad interview questions so that you can have a good interview. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Ah, uh, not that much. I uh, I got on Plural Site Friday night for some reason. You know, Friday's not normally when I do that, right? But I got home and I wasn't feeling like playing games or anything. I just I sat down and I I found a Angular two course that you could follow along with. Yeah, and just absolutely tore through it. I had a blast, and you know, so that that was entertaining. Of course, you know, the day job is going well. You know, we pushed. Um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've pushed a build out there and it's kind of into round two of testing. I guess we have a bunch of clients it's going to be in front of at a client conference here in a little bit, week, two weeks, I forget which, um, that, that's not really my problem. It's just a huge relief. There's still a few small bugs, but you know, like it's, it's in that winding down. It's like, oh, this date time has got the hour, minute and second on it. Can you not show that? It's those kind of bugs now. Yeah. You know, little bitty piddly stuff. And I've got a I've got a junior dev who needs to learn the code base. And so I'm throwing those over the wall at him. Now there's some bigger stuff, you know, that I'm having to deal with too, but it's not urgent. I follow you. Yeah. So I'm I'm way more relaxed. Also, just as an aside, I got a thing about Skype wanting to update. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like, oh, have you tried the new Skype? Of course, you know, it's it's new software from anybody getting pushed like i'm not real quick to to change things because a lot of times you can't change them back um so i kept putting it off and then one day i was finally like okay you know what i'll try it just so it quits you know quits irritating me and i open it up and it's got a dark theme sweet yes um that is the biggest thing for me is getting rid of apps that do not let me change the the color palette Mm -hmm. because i i tend to work you know a lot of times at night in the dark you know, in all my apps, I'm trying to get stuff that, that does that. I'm really tired of working along and I keep the room kind of dim and all that, especially at night because I don't want all the light in my eyes and stuff. And then I'll have to open something like Skype, for instance, and it's eye-bleachingly bright. And so I'm, I'm gradually replacing all that stuff. And I was just so stoked that they had a dark theme. I know it's such a small thing to be happy about. Well, is there is there anything that <clears throat> makes like... Like when a window's loading, it's got like just the white background until it fills that can make that black. Like um, make the default. Maybe like in Chrome. Like Chrome or anything else, but Chrome especially, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything that does that yet, um, which is really, really irritating. I think that's something that maybe plugins can't get to. Yeah. For some well, reason. Well, yeah. I, I, I would think it may be even like just a, well, what I would think would be like a, a Windows thing where it's just like the default background of whatever is white until it's filled with something i want to change that to black yeah because yeah i open up a new window and like you say i, I it's 
it's dark, especially in the evenings and stuff. And all of a sudden, just like this blinding light from one screen. You know, I get a sunburn from my well, screen. And one thing I'm not sure of either is whether the battery performance is better with a dark screen. Intuitively, I don't really think that's true. But I've noticed that it seems like it lasts longer. And now whether it's because I'm able to get more done because it's not as hard on my eyes mm-hmm. and it feels like longer. I, I yeah. don't know. I haven't actually measured this, but it seems to be that way. And like I said, it probably isn't. But, but if you yeah. get a gray screen, just not that blinding white. Yeah. Even if it was like a, a softer white, like uh, you remember like Windows 3.1 or Windows 95. I don't remember the white hurting my eyes that bad. Mm-hmm. And now it does. Yeah. Um, that's older. Well, yeah, I'm also older and I'm also wearing glasses and, you know, like you see every speck of dust on your glasses. We went way off topic on that. <laughs> so how about you? Uh, you got stuff rolling out, don't you? Yeah. Well, uh, we, we do have a few things about to go into production in the next week or so. Um, I actually learned something new today at work. Apparently, if you divide an integer by an integer, you get an integer. Yes, it returns an integer, even if you specify you want that to be a double or a float. Right, as a return value. Yeah. Yeah, because we had a discussion on Hangouts yeah, we about did. this. You're like, why can I divide 1 by 60 and get 0? It's like, well, it divides it, and it's an integer division, and it assumes you want an integer because the two operands were. Yeah. It's kind of walks if, up the tree. Even if you say, you know, double variable name equals 1 divided by 60, you still get 0. Yep. However, if you take one of those operands and you say, you know, you cast it as a decimal or a float or whatever, mm-hmm. then it will be smart enough to turn the whole thing in. Yeah. Or if you get like 1.0. Yeah. And there, there's reasons for that, right? Yeah. Like the, you know, what the compiler has to optimize for. JavaScript doesn't do it. <sighs> yeah. But JavaScript, JavaScript does some really interesting other things. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like the, the, you know, the, the thing is, is most of your operations that you're going to do mathematically are actually going to be integer. And people mm-hmm. go, well, I do floating point. I do money. I'm like, no, every array access is an integer. You know, you can't, you don't go to element 1.01. 1. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I do. I don't know about you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just cut that first, you know, part of a bit. <laughs> off of the- <laughs> I'm not even sure how that works. It's like, just make the signal a little dirty on that, you know? Yeah, there you go. Um, Well, I I kept having this issue with a conversion, and it happens sometimes, but not others. Right. And so, I I finally tracked it down to where I was making that division of two integers and pulled that out. Like, I abstracted that out of the conversion and saw, oh, that's the problem. But that took a couple of days just to narrow it down because it's a big... Yeah. Conversion. Well, and you were, and I think you said the code that you had for that had been ported from Visual Basic. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember for sure how Visual Basic would have necessarily handled that. So the conversion was originally written in Basic. Which and doesn't then, care very much. Yeah. And then rewritten in Visual Basic, which I then rewrote in C Sharp. And I was the first one to run into the issue. So... Well, on a happier note, I uh, had a pretty good weekend. I uh, went and saw Spider-Man, finally. Uh, that was awesome. You should definitely go see it. On the drive home, though, I was listening to a book called Ready Player One, which is coming out as a movie soon, too. But um, I, I once I got home, I didn't want to stop listening. So I just went in and I started building a um, world for my nieces in Minecraft while listening to the book. 
And I put it in creative mode, peaceful, you know. Yeah. So I could just go build them stuff. But uh, speaking of Minecraft, I've got something related to that for IOTs. So let's go ahead and roll the music. So this week for IOTs, I have a pretty cool project for controlling your Internet of Things devices through Minecraft. This is a mod for Minecraft that allows you to control devices from within the game. It uses the all join uh, to control lighting and temperature in the real world while you're playing the game. You have to have an all join device or add a library to work with other devices. The code is written in Java. Of course, it only works with PC versions of Minecraft. It's pretty cool. I'll have a link to that in the show notes so you guys, if you if you want to mess around with it, or if your kids uh, like playing Minecraft, uh, they can turn the lights on and off while they're in the game. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we grabbed a comment on the continual learning episode from Bryce Embry. It says, hey guys, I was introduced to your show at Music City Code and have enjoyed spending my morning commute with you since then. I started this episode and was anxious for the book recommendations, but got to work before you got to that part. I was disappointed not to see the books listed here, so I thought I'd add your I'd add your recommendations in case someone else wants to find them here. I've also added two books that I found particularly helpful. He goes on to list the books from the episode and then gives a few of his own suggestions. He says, I would also suggest Head First Design Patterns by Eric Freeman and Elizabeth Rob- Robson, which is a simplified introduction to design patterns for those who find the Gang of Four book a bit dry. That would be myself included. I also went through that book a while back, so... Um, I didn't I, have I can, a problem with it, but yeah. Um, Clean Code, a handbook of agile software craftsmanship by uh, Robert Martin, which has improved my programming style more than any other book. I would also agree with that one. So thanks, Bryce. Uh, we appreciate you picking up our Slack. Yeah, um, I had originally intended on putting those that list in the show notes, but when it got down to the episode, took a little bit longer than I expected to edit. And needed to get it out the door. Yeah, uh, that that is one thing about when when Aaron comes on. Yeah, <laughs> is we're we pretty much all have the same brain, and so we get going, and the episode is always longer than because <laughs> you know, we just like to talk to each other. Yeah. So Bryce, send us an email to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review and iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr. Do you guys want to come out and meet us and hear Will speak on why your DBA hates your ORM? Come on down to Huntsville, Alabama for DevSpace Conference, North Alabama's premier polyglot technology conference. DevSpace is October 13th and 14th this year. And if you use the code complete dev or follow the link in the show notes, you can get a 10% discount. Again, that's dev space in Huntsville, Alabama on October 13th and 14th. And Will and I will both be there for the conference. Interviewing is not really easy for the interviewee, nor for the person giving the interview. Um, there's rules in some areas and there's laws as well that you need to abide by um, when developing questions. 
yet the interviewer still has to determine whether the candidate is going to be a good fit. And these things can include technical skill, um, how well they fit with the team, um, and how long they're going to stick around and how much they match the company's goals and vision. And they've got to figure all this out in like an hour of talking to you. So a few things that make a good interview question include being concise, though you do need to provide enough information so that you know when you're effectively answering them. Yeah, that. And, and that's kind of tricky because they like to give open-ended questions, too, just to see what you'll elaborate on. Mm-hmm. The other thing about good questions is, is they shouldn't give out information that you don't want to get out. So, in other words, uh, company internal type stuff, you know, there mm-hmm. may be, how would you feel, like if they ask you, how would you feel if you replaced another developer that's currently working on the team? And sitting in this room. No, not really. They probably won't do that. <laughs> but but if, you know, if they ask you a question like that in an interview, that's kind of one of those, you know. Uh, so, so you definitely don't want to leak information you know, with these kind of questions. They also shouldn't be used as a form of prejudice or to set someone up to fail. Yeah, or to succeed when they shouldn't. Um, yeah. There's companies out there that are very strongly run by the owner. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is basically a yes man. And if it's, hey, this is the owner's nephew and he's getting an interview just like all the other people. Yeah, he's going to get hired anyway. And a good interview question is not something he's going to get. He's going to get something that makes him more likely to to win. And we're going to talk about five different types of questions that you might see in an interview. Uh, it might make you think twice about the interviewer or even the job. Uh, these are yes, no questions, leading or loaded questions. Leaky questions, we'll get into that in a bit, stupid questions, we could go on on that all day long, and unethical or illegal questions. Which could be an interview episode all on its own. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, no questions. Will, have you ever used Java? Yeah, but I I went to rehab for it. (laughs) (laughs) Very slowly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but, you know, but the, the thing about yes, no questions is, is have you ever used Java? Well, yeah, I did. I did the, uh, uh, in college, I had a class where I had to do some Java and, uh, you know, we had to, they're like, here's how you write to the console. Now write a game. Um, <laughs> and it was frankly a bit of a miserable experience. Um, I've had to debug Java since then, but you know, like most I, people that I, I know that have worked in .NET. Say that about Java. Well, I mean, because .NET was intended to fix a lot of things that people were experiencing in Java. But and now Java has also come back and they've they've responded to .NET hitting. And it's apparently a lot better now. Like, you got to bear yeah. in mind, when I was doing this, the World Trade Center towers were still up. I know. I okay. remember when we found out about them. Yeah. We were driving to college that day. And I think that was the semester I had that class. So, yes, I have used Java, but would you have found any of that stuff out asking a yes, no question where I just said, yes, I've used Java. Now, you 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 might have been given a job where you are primarily coding in Java. Right. And I would probably be okay. Yeah. It would be a minute and I might not meet expectations in the early phases. Um, And so the biggest problem with yes, no questions is is they it's like you answer it and that's it. It doesn't give the interviewer any other information. Yeah, yes-no questions are not good for interviews. They're good for lawyers. They're good for lawyers, and they're good for HR people that are trying to filter you. Yeah, that's true. An interview full of yes-no questions comes across more of a checklist than a conversation. Yeah, and it it 
I've been through a few interviews that have been like that and I've never taken those jobs. Well, it just um, seems like that, that could be part of the pre-interview process. Really. Right. But when it's, Hey, I drove there and I'm sitting in a room with you, you know, I, I, you know, I got all in the monkey suit and I went and, you know, dressed up and, you know, brushed my beard out and all this stuff. And you asked me yes, no questions that comes across to me as, okay, you really don't quite know what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and my reaction now would be different than it was then. I mean, I'm talking about times when I was younger. Yeah. Um, well, Cause now sense. I would be like, Hey, here's somebody that doesn't understand what I do. Now we can talk about value-based pricing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <that's> true. <laughs> you can, you can turn the, the yeah. conversation on it. And that's, but it's completely different when it's, yeah. you're not there yet. And, and that, that is one way to overcome the yes, no questions. We've got a few strategies for you. And the one that came to mind, and I, I've been holding my tongue on it because I knew you had this coming up in the outline, is elaborate on the answers, even if you weren't asked to do so. Well, can you imagine, okay, because you and I are pretty successful, right? And just yeah. ask the audience out there, can you imagine any of us, you know, either either of us or any of the people we've had on the show, especially like Aaron, um, Cody, or Dave, <laughs> like none of those people are going to answer a yes, no question with yes or no. That's that's not a thing that they do because this is, it, it doesn't point you towards any kind of success and it doesn't let you continue the volley it's it's sort of like the serve over the net that gets the point immediately instead yeah. of you know and you don't want that you want it to go back and forth good sports reference sir good sports reference yeah just don't don't picture me dressed up like a <laughs> tennis player <laughs> oh, i was thinking volleyball <laughs> beach that's probably even more disturbing <laughs> and i wasn't picturing you <laughs> and sasquatch with the goal <laughs> Mixing the sports metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing you could do is ask for clarification in a way that indicates that you know more about the subject. You know, most things don't really reduce down to yes, no answers. Right. So, um, you know, if they, if they're asking you, Hey, have you ever had Java experience? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I've, you know, your answer would probably be yes. Mm-hmm. But if not, you could say, actually mine wouldn't, but yeah. You hadn't ever done any Java? Never. Huh. Hmm. I have never, never had to do Java. Yeah, you will eventually. Oh, I'm sure um, I will, but I haven't, I haven't yet. Right, but I should say that. Okay, yeah, you, you know, you could, uh, you could say no, but um, I found it really interesting how the the Java garbage collector works and how that that you know, if you have to have some knowledge, obviously. Well, it's more elaborating. This is more like asking for clarification. I would think would be more like. Well, you could also say, "Hey, Java's, you know, Java's a big space." Yeah, let's say, like, what what particular area of Java and list off some things. Like, yeah. if it was C sharp, I know C sharp. I don't know Java well enough to to do yeah. this. But like, if they are saying, "Do you know C sharp?" I'm like, "Yeah," but are we talking about building Unity games with C sharp? Are we talking about building MVC apps? Are we talking about building Windows? apps web service uh, wpf service, silverlight WPFs. yeah i mean like what i could i could list probably about five or ten things to ask like all right well what are you what specifically do you want to know if i can do and that that continues the conversation on and in a way it's taking control of the interview yeah and you know, of course if, if your answer is no and it's the you know they want the thing to the positive 
Um, Because, you know, they can also ask yes-no questions that, hey, if the answer is yes, you don't want to elaborate. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been arrested? They can't ask that, actually, because if you've been, you know, well, you've been arrested. Well, I haven't, but, you know. Well, I mean, if I remember correctly, like, if you get stopped in traffic, that's that's a arrest with air quotes and, you know, Dr. Evil's face on it, right? That arrested, you know, (laughs) like, you, you probably... Well, I mean, if you, by the time you're ha- having to answer yes, no, at that point, like you're going to have to elaborate to try to get yourself out of it. But um, wouldn't a background check cover a lot of that kind of stuff? Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, so. but, but I guess the the thing is, is elaboration is the best way to get them to where they are responding to you because you don't want to be answering yes, no questions. Because mm-hmm. for one thing, if everybody comes in there, answers yes, no questions, and you come in and you go, okay, and, and you guide that thing along you stand out from the crowd uh, you know of other yeah. other slackers in there and it makes you seem more human instead of just a it, it's just it's a better it's a better way to interact with other people like you know we, we have multiple words in our language for a reason mm-hmm. <laughs> another response that you can have is to ask open-ended questions of your own when you get the chance yeah. So, for instance, the Java thing comes up. You say, "Well, yeah, I've done. You know, I've done some Java. Um, you know, I, I was interested in Net Beans back in the day, but now I'm, you guys don't do that now, do you? Is that is that a thing? You know, enterprise job. You know, you do, do, do you do EJB stuff now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can throw some of that kind of stuff in there that indicates. Yes, I elaborated. I know a little bit more about what's going on, etc. Um, yeah. and, and that that will help you. And if you ask those open ended questions, you get you get them to tell you what they value. Like this is a big conversational topic thing that we really need to get into at some point. But figuring out what other people's hooks are so that you basically cold read the other person sitting across the table from you. So yeah, that's 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 very true. Next are leading or loaded questions. Yeah, and this is stuff like, uh, do you have any experience using a real programming language like C Yes, I do. Yeah, of course. You know, the, if you, you could also react to that and go, well, yeah, I've, I've done even better than that. I've done assembler. I, you know, I don't understand you people with your objects and your your need to not understand registers and things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we want to go there, but um, you know, the, the the thing with a leading question or a loaded question, those are kind of sort of the same thing. Is they don't provide much useful information because they waste so much time expressing a desired outcome or an opinion. Yeah. And this th- reminds me of, I don't want to say the typical college professor, because I don't think most college professors are like this, but the, but the stereotype, yeah, the stereotypical college professor with who, like the little patch things on yeah. their elbow, on their, on their suits. Those. <laughs> I think it's more of a doctor who thing for me, but anyways, uh, but it, it reminds Tweed. me of Tweed, yeah. Professor Tweed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it reminds me of the the Miss stereotypical Miss Patchouli. <laughs> Sorry, reminds me of the stereotypical college professor that really doesn't want you thinking for yourself. They just want you to regurgitate their opinions back at them. Oh yeah, and they'll ask questions that are loaded so that you will regurgitate their opinion. Yeah, or you'll sound like an idiot. Yeah. Which is what, I mean, because you know, think about it, if you go in there and go, well, if you ever use a real programming language like C++, well, let's say that your primary development environment is F Sharp, or your primary development environment is Python, and you've done machine learning stuff, like you've implemented that by hand. Well, have you used a real programming language? According to these people, you haven't, but I guarantee you, you've done stuff that's harder than what they're doing. And they've put you in a position where you 
don't feel comfortable admitting that. Yeah. You've done JavaScript. You've done some pretty hard stuff sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, realistically. <laughs> yeah. There, I, I think, I, I think every programming language that has been around for any length of time has got spots that you go through that are just horrendous. So, you know, don't, yeah. don't let anybody do this to you in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that they do when they start out by expressing an opinion like that is it makes it kind of clear what the work environment's going to be like. To me, when I, when I see this sort of thing, I think, okay, this work environment is going to be very difficult because these people start out with a very strong opinion in a situation where they're punching down, right? Because as an interviewee, you don't feel like you can argue. That's very true. Right. Most people are not going to go in there and go, no, you're wrong. We know a few that would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you say that and I'm thinking of it. I'm like, I'm trying not to make a face because yeah. I know they're the exception, not the rule. Yeah. It's just they loom large because yeah. we've all argued with them repeatedly. <laughs> but, you know, most people don't feel like they can do that. And so if you go into an interview and they're, they're giving you these loaded and leading questions, you know, you know that, hey, when I'm an employee and my mortgage is dependent on this person, am I going to be able to express that, hey, I think this is a bad idea? And the answer to that is probably no. Yeah. Well, on the same vein, it's they're showing that they're going to be very difficult to work with. Yeah. And just, yeah. And sometimes you can run into those kind of people, too, that will they'll say stuff like this is a test. This is a really dumb way to interview people, by the way. And, and the people that do that invariably think they're clever. I could tell so many stories, but I'm not entirely sure that people won't get ticked off about it. So I'll leave, leave those alone. But yeah, I've seen this happen and it just... In my brief experience of inter- as an interviewee, I've seen stuff like this. Yeah. Where it was... Wait till the next economic downturn. Yeah. That's when it gets bad. When, you know, when there's a glut of developers on the market, then a lot of the, the interviewers really well, do feel like they can be... Well, around here, there, there kind of is for the junior developers because we've got yeah. a couple of... Well, we've got, what, like three or four colleges in the area or universities plus two boot camp type schools. Well, about that, we were about to just have one boot camp. So to overcome these leading or loaded questions, uh, we've got a few strategies for you. Uh, First one, figure out what the question is pointing towards and sort of elaborate in that direction. Like don't be specific, like yes, no, or I've done this, I've done that, but just elaborate and just, do like we do and just talk a lot about it. Yeah. Flowery around <laughs> the topic. Well, not necessarily at that level, but yeah. like if they're, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a good way to, to explain this. If they talk about, you know, if they go, okay, have you done anything with a real web framework like, you know, Angular JS? So, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been doing some stuff with Angular, but I'm, you know, and I really enjoy it. I, I particularly like how I can do one way or two way data binding because then, you know, I can also, I can make my view just be a projection of the model or I can make it go back and forth, which is better for, you know, CRUD type apps. But I'm also really interested in the way React does their rendering model. And I think that that was a winner before, um, you know, Angular 2 came out because it really pushed them to do the other thing. And you can, you can go into that and, yeah. and then you come across as a subject matter expert, even though they gave you a leading question. Point of clarification is Angular 1.5 that had the, where you could switch up the one way to two way data binding in their component models. Yeah. It was leading, it was leading into Angular 2, but it was 1.5 that came out with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, Angular, well, when the recommended advice (laughs) changed. (laughs) And I just, Um, I just corrected you. uh, Well, 
But, uh, you know. Well, I, I think the last time I did Angular. Um, you told me before that it was, it was like 1.4. Yeah. And and we I think we were maybe we're getting ready to, yeah. to, to jump to 1.5. Well, with... With and you probably were doing the controller model mm-hmm. at that point, and you couldn't set at that point in time the binding. It was just two way all the time, right? Which was very innovative for its time. Yeah, it was because um, um, they took the ideas that Knockout came out of, and yeah. you see how we've gone off the rails. This is what we want you to do. Yeah, when you're in this situation, you know, show your passion for the subject. Because the other thing that you can do with some of these people, you'll, you'll go into interviews where there's there's one dude that doesn't want to hire you and does this because they're trying uh-huh. to sabotage you. If you win that person over by elaborating, and they go, "Holy crap, they're just like me." And I've done this in interviews. That, yeah, that's how you get, you you get a free lunch your first week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so th- th- this can be recovered from. It's just it's a bad way to interview, and you shouldn't do this. Yeah. But no, it, most people are bad at interviewing, so there we are. If you're feeling particularly beigeish, that's a word I just made up, <laughs> or bold, uh, try gently disagreeing and ask them questions about why they have their particular belief or opinion or stuff about their particular environment. Well, like, you know, have you ever used a real programming language like C++? Yeah, I have, but you know, so do you do you like does it does it get in your way when you can't say I want to pass this variable in a register? Cuz I I mean I can do that in Delphi. And I I found that really handy because I you know, it doesn't I don't get such a huge, you know, stack frame size and it's just really handy for low memory situations you know and, and you could say that in a way that doesn't have the very obvious smirk that i had when i said that just now <laughs> which is why i would never do that because i can't say that without a smirk <laughs> that's so true yeah <laughs> also the type of leading questions people ask tends to give clues about their environment. Use that as a prompt to point out how you would be valuable in such a place. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you an example. Uh, my interview where I work now, are you one of those .NET developers that's uncomfortable with harder database things like synonyms? It's where you can do, a, you, know, you can say, I call it this, but it's actually this other thing in this other database. Well, okay. What was my reaction? Well, okay. I've had not used synonyms because I'm not really in favor of them, but that's, you know, we have reasons. I said, oh, did you guys have to shard your database between your back-end environment and your front side? Is that, is that why you had to, you've got this situation? And they're like, yes. And we got in this complete conversation about that. Rather than going, well, you know, you don't want to be meek. You want to go, oh, I see what they're pointing at here. Because they, they would have to do this because of, I know enough about their business when I went into the interview. Yeah. I can see why they would have to do it. And that comes up. Um, we've already we've already talked about this a little bit about researching the business because you did that going into the interview and knew yeah that about them. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, research their street address. So when I pulled up there, I thought this place looks like uh, residential. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a minute. Next are leaky questions. Yeah. So a leaky question. Um, it, you know, it can be things like, when was your last vacation or what was your last vacation? And they can reveal a little too much uh, information about the interviewer or more likely like the interviewee. Um, and, and you may think, OK, well, what what would that be? Well, OK, what was your what was your last vacation? Well, you know, my wife and I went to Vegas. OK, now they know you're married. So they backhandedly got information that can be used to discriminate against you. Yeah. And, you know, they can't ask if you're married, but they, a lot of companies will ask these beat around the bush type questions to get information that they wouldn't otherwise have. Mm-hmm. 
and and they can also leak information like how would you feel about replacing a, a well-liked senior developer okay well you know somebody there's getting canned has put in their two-week notice yeah or you know that they're, they're looking at you know budget cuts or they're looking at you know like you know things that you probably shouldn't know going in there mm-hmm. and, and leaky questions like that can be hard because part of the deal is if you know that they need you bad enough that's an advantage on your side and you're you know, until you get to a certain point, you will feel bad about misusing that. Yeah. Then, you, then you get a little older and you just don't care. <laughs> but Or you, you go long enough without a job and you're just like, well, yeah, there's every advantage I can get. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they those kind of questions can really, they can, you know, kick out other information that biases the interview. Um, for instance, uh, a couple of years ago, I went on a vacation with my family and I went on a bear hunting trip because my dad's getting older. He wanted to go on another, you know, another hunt. And so we went on a bear hunting trip. Well, and around here in Tennessee, that's probably not going to bias the interview very much. But if I was interviewing with a Silicon Valley company and they ask, what was your last vacation? That's a problem because there's a pretty substantial demographic there that isn't going to be real happy with that answer. It has nothing to do with work performance. It, it can it can create the appearance of bias or bias in fact. Yeah, and you know, responding with what does this have to do with the job? Yeah, well, it's kind of a a rude, right, confrontational it, way of dealing with that. Yeah, it, it just puts you in a bad bad spot. Yeah, um, this this can derail the interview into discussions that you know don't really show your value. Right. Them. Although on occasion too, you'll you'll get derailed onto something where. Oh, they asked what your last vacation was, and you said, "Oh, I went, you know, I went bear hunting in Washington State." And then they go, "Oh, I went up to Ontario and did that, you know." And you know, and you you end up completely derailing the interview, but you made a connection there. I think I've said this a couple of times. The my interview for my job started off with a conversation about podcasting, yeah, that led into a geek out session about programming and computers. And I, it didn't feel like an interview at all, just because we literally sat there and geeked out about different technologies and the stuff we were passionate about. Yeah. And, and my last interview turned into a discussion about uh, cell biology and abiogenesis. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not necessarily that it, it it's just risky, I guess, is, is really where this comes down to. And you've got you got to learn how to play the game well. I mean, we, we've kind of discussed some of the strategies for this, which are you know, turn it into a a narrative and to tell a story with your answer, even though it's not really talking about your value, you can use this to kind of gain a, use it as part of your soft skills. Right. You know, to gain that connection with the interviewer, which is what, what happened. I wasn't like, I didn't go into the interview thinking I'm going to talk about podcasting. I went in and the guy interviewing me wanted to start a podcast. He was like, Oh, you're the guy with the podcast. And yeah. that, that led into a conversation completely unplanned, but it built a connection that I've been told after I left, he went to the team talking about how he, how excited he was about my excitement about programming. Right. You know, and yeah, that excitement's well, still there because obviously. Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, this, these kind of questions can be an opportunity to show that you are passionate about things. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes somebody that's just always flat. And if they see, hey, this guy really likes mountain biking and he's really, really excited about that. You go, well, you know, hey, if, and, I, and I like the 
person, all right. Hey, let's get them a job so that they can mountain bike. Because people are typically, they do like to make other people happy. Yeah. So it, it can work to your favor, but it it's tricky. And so overcoming leaky, leaky questions, um, you know, with, with the narrative is is definitely is definitely good. Now, if I said, you know, my last vacation was was going to Vegas, so I might say, well, I went to Vegas after months of having to deal with low level GDI plus programming and just having my head down, and I just went to Vegas and just hung out. You know, hey, I worked something in about my pr- past experience, but I slipped it in in a way that you yeah. Yeah, have plausible deniability, basically. Yeah, you can also turn it around on the interviewer. You know, for example, we're following this vacation thing. Ask where they went. And, you know, it, it allows them to talk about themselves and build that connection. This gets you useful information for it. Right. Because if they say, oh, I haven't been on a vacation in five years. Huh. Bye, Which way is the bathroom? <laughs> I, I need to. Can I use your restroom? And then you just leave. <laughs> no, don't don't actually do that. But just don't take the don't take the gig if they don't. Yeah, if the interviewer doesn't take doesn't uh, take vacations. Yeah, just no. personal experience there. Um, now the next thing is stupid questions. How much experience do you have using client side Java libraries like Angular? Well, I think Angular is the best Java library. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not as good as Rails. <laughs> 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 You'll get these kind of questions, and it is extremely difficult when you hear that because, like, just saying it and repeating it and knowing that hey, this was this was something we put as a dumb example. Like you and I both twitched when you said that. Yes, even though we knew it was coming. Yes, and that and I can't say I've never heard this question. Oh, recruiters calling. <laughs> oh, you do JavaScript, right? So we have an EJB application. That's not in JavaScript, bro. Yeah. So, it it usually indicates a lack of experience on the part of the interviewer. Or it could be someone trying to make a joke. Yeah. And I have, I won't say I've gotten myself in trouble, but I have laughed at someone when they said something similar to this. Yeah. And they were being serious. So, you got to be careful because, you know, I obviously did not get that job. Well, (laughs) and you know, a lot of times they'll have uh, people like your HR person that they're that, you know they're doing the screening yeah first and they ask questions and they think they know boy they're easy to pick out that's very true and you know you might be dealing with if you if you're not dealing with the hr person you might also be dealing with a non-technical manager right you've got to you've got to pass a personality test without reacting to the stupidity and yeah i mean the the one that i got was so outrageous i thought it was a joke yeah like legitimately thought they were joking and laughed and then Turned out they weren't. Yeah, and and the worst is when it's on a phone call because you That's can't. Oh yeah, because if it's face to face, you can just look at them. Yeah, and like cock an eyebrow and wait, and, and hopefully they'll react and, and laugh, and you'll be like, okay, it was a joke. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you build rapport. But if it's over the phone, you don't have that. You're just kind of going. There's dead air. Yeah, what, I what just I, I I laughed and I was like, "That's a good one." And they're like, "No, really." And I'm like, "Huh? Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> oh. If if the person is someone from HR, you you only need to know enough or impress them enough to get to the real interview. Yeah, you have to be able to talk confidently and pass the personality test, um, and that's that's the big thing there. Like like I said, I have a really hard time with stupid questions. Yeah, you know, partially because I'm I'm doing stuff at a level where the person that talks to me needs to be somebody that knows because they can't differentiate me from 
somebody that walks in and says, "Oh yeah, I wrote a web, you know, I, I wrote a web front end in in Angular, and I'm really fond of all the Java I did in it." You know, because they they think Java and JavaScript are the same thing, and they they walk in off the street. How can this person tell me apart from them? Oh, by the way, they're asking for a lower rate. Like that tells me that there's a problem that is not to my advantage. Yeah, if it's a non-technical manager. Instead of focusing on getting to the real interview, put your focus on expressing technical concepts and terms and thought processes and understanding things in a way that they can understand. Right. So if they're if they're getting confused between Java and JavaScript, which is the canonical example we're going to use for this, you say, "Oh, I, I see what happened. Yeah. You, oh, you mean JavaScript? I really hate that they called it JavaScript because it's nothing like Java. It's actually should be called ECMAScript. Yeah, you know, ECMA." Mm-hmm. And that was the original name, but then they just kind of ran with this other thing, which was a bad idea. So it, it, it came out of the popularity of Java at the time. Yeah, um, but you know, you can you can do this in a way. Go, hey, look, oh, I see what happened, or you can just go on with it. I know both you and I, and this is just part of our personalities. I think we've we've gotten better at it because we both had it as part of our personalities when we met sixteen years ago. Now we fed on this with each other. To where we've gotten really good at expressing either like, for me, when I was in, in medicine and stuff, detailed medical concepts or things like that, layman's terms, and you with technical. And now that I'm in the technical world, I've, I've transferred that ability. My understanding isn't obvi- obviously isn't as deep as yours on the technical side, but I've transferred that ability to it. It's just something that we've, we've fed and built on because we saw the value in it early on. I mean, it makes a world of difference. And you got to bear in mind, some people that are asking you stupid questions are not stupid people. In fact, mm-hmm. a pretty good percentage of them are not. Um, I've talked to plenty of people who were just, you know, brilliant lawyers or accountants or doctors who could ask you technical questions that make you just scratch your head and go, what? what? <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and so you don't ever want to react. You don't want to come from a position of arrogance, come from humility. Mm-hmm. And th- this will work a lot better. Overcoming stupid questions. Um, the big thing is to try to determine the intent of the question and answer that yeah. Re- rather than answering the question itself. So what they're really asking with the this Java thing, and as it could be they have a list of questions to ask, and it was a typo on the person that wrote the question. Yeah. I mean, and they just, they're like, all right, I need to know these things. They really want to know how much experience you have in Angular. And if you can correct that, and I, I like to use what um, what Lena said when she was on the show, which is Java is to JavaScript as car is to carpet. Yeah, I have I have said that to people who made that mistake, and they burst out laughing. Yeah, or you can ask for clarification. Go, okay, do you mean you know? Do you mean Angular? Do you, are you trying to figure out how much experience I have with Angular? Or are you talking about the Java language? Because yeah. it's it's. You know, unclear there a little bit. You know, you can you can ask for elaboration in a way that lets the person save face. Mm-hmm. That's very true. The big thing is don't call them stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I hate that I have to tell this to adults. <laughs> but well, the thing is, you can you can call someone stupid without even intending to. Yeah, like I did when I and this was completely unintentional. I legitimately thought the person was making a joke because it was an it was a recruiter on the phone. And I thought they were, this was very early on when I first started looking, I thought they were, you know, being facetious because we'd been joking around Yeah. and yeah, I thought they were making a joke and I just laughed along with the other stuff I'd laughed at. Yeah. And, that, and it that, can happen and it can backfire. Um, the big thing is figuring out who you're talking to. 
mm-hmm. and and try to get that information early. Usually, you'll um, when you're introduced to the person, they'll tell you what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the CFO or they're the lead developer, whatever, and you can tailor your response accordingly. Yeah, that's very true. You know, you know most people introduce themselves with you know, what's my name? What do I do? And as a result of that particular protocol, usually you know where you are. So you should deal with it you know, accordingly. Don't make too many assumptions because, like, for example, my boss, oh, executive director. Yeah. Yeah. She got her start as a COBOL programmer. Yeah. And knows her stuff. Yeah. Like, I, she may not know the, like, the specific libraries and details of .NET, but you know, she can come in and really understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Of course, you can... You can kind of tell personality-wise, it's like, this person has been a developer. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> like, that's, you can see that a mile off on her. Um, but, yeah, I've talked to, um, actually, one of our client companies, the, uh, you know, the, the CEO. I had, a, I had lunch with their CEO and, you know, with, with some other people. And you go, okay, he's the CEO. He doesn't know the tech stuff. And then we got to talking about, like the old computer systems, like older than me. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I kind of tapered off after, you know, Vax. They all can't see my face, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. And had I been arrogant about the tech stuff, I mean, this yeah. this dude knows more than I do. Yeah. Um. So you, you got to be careful making assumptions. And the other thing, you can, you can answer with confidence, right? Without coming across as arrogant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I've... Talked about the that mistake I made. Uh, I do have a lot of recruiters that like to call me, and especially when they're looking for a junior position, they'll call me and ask me if I know anybody that's looking and stuff like that. It's because I don't treat them like they're lesser, or I don't talk down to them because they're not programmers. Right. Everybody's doing something difficult, so don't yeah. don't look at people as being stupid or less than you. Yeah, and that that's that's the really big thing here. Like the the example I've used was a legitimate. I thought the person was making a joke and yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a faux pas. Yeah. It wasn't a thing of, Oh, I think I'm better than you because I know the difference between Java and JavaScript. It's like, dude, that person called 70 people that morning. Yeah. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, I might have a little bit more trouble with it than you. Yeah. Um, I say I've done that, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it, there's no reason to be arrogant. So if, yeah. if you can answer confidently and not arrogantly, You'll still win them over. And a lot of them will notice, too, when you give them the opportunity to save face, they go, okay, I was wrong. And this dude didn't make me feel like an idiot. Yeah. I felt like it was positive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I felt treated with respect. Like, you would be surprised how far that goes. Finally, our unethical or illegal questions. Yeah. And these vary. uh, Well, the illegal varies per jurisdiction. The unethical, I would argue, doesn't. Yeah. Um, But this is stuff like, have you ever been arrested? What church do you go to? Are you married? Do you have any kids? Uh, Do you intend to become pregnant? Now, if they ask either myself or BJ whether we intend to become pregnant, that falls in the category of stupid questions. Yes. (laughs) Um, Categorization is important here. But what constitutes an illegal question varies depending on where you are. And what constitutes an unethical question doesn't. Before we really get into this, I do want to state, and you know, if you're listening to this, you probably already know it, but we are two white males from the South. And In case the accent didn't give it away. Yeah. So we're going to hit a little bit on discrimination, but a lot of this podcast is based on our personal experience. 
And let's just be honest, guys. This is something we have not experienced. Yeah. When like, we talk about this, we talk about what our friends have told us. Um, I mean, we've seen some stuff. You know, I've been asked illegal interview questions, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Or questions that you're like, okay, if if I answer this, it tells them something I may not want them to know, or it's none of their business. But this is a whole other category. Typically, with these kind of questions, it is a prelude to some means of enforcing some kind of discrimination. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, because it's it says, okay, do you intend to become pregnant? Well, you know, do you intend to cost the company money in the future? Is is what they're asking there? Or what church do you go to? Because you know, we don't hire no atheists. Like, there, there's nowhere good that these questions go. I I know people that if they could, wouldn't hire certain Christian denominations because they disagree with them. Yes. Um, I'm sure you yeah, do too. Yeah. We, and some of them are the same people. Yeah. And, you know, usually they figure out some other way to filter it, um, which is unfortunate that that continues. Um, most places, if you ask about race, gender, sexual preference, age, religion, I'm trying to think there's a few other things that, you know, just like socioeconomic background that may or may not be um, a risk. Um, asking about country of origin, that can be another thing too, where it's not quite racial. But basically, the idea is if it's if they're asking you stuff that really isn't relevant for the job and can be used to discriminate against you, that's how you know it's an illegal or unethical question. Yeah, speaking. and we've debated back and forth what to say about this because we both know people. We that, know people that ask questions like that, and they don't. They they have no ill intent. Right. By it. it is. Literally a way, their way of making conversation. Right. Because, uh, you know, one thing here in the, you know, here in the South, if you run into somebody else whose last name is Burns. Yeah. What do you do? You try to figure out, okay, are you from the Georgia branch of the family? Or, okay, the Gants. Are you from the North Carolina branch? Are you from the Tennessee branch? Are you from the Georgia branch? Right? Like, it's... It's a weird thing. People are just trying to figure out where you come from, and they're not necessarily meaning anything by it. We we know people like this. However... Um, if you're in an interview and these kind of questions are getting asked, you probably don't want to, and you're, and they're making you uncomfortable. You probably don't want to work there. And a lot of this is, you know, a lot of this is cultural stuff. A lot of it is fading, um, yeah. which, you know, and that, that's why we were kind of hesitant on, on how to present this because we don't, we don't want to tell somebody to grin and bear it going into something like this. But we also don't want to tell people things that cost them opportunities when there isn't malice intended. Um, and yeah. so I think the biggest thing is, is if the questions are making you uncomfortable, tells you something because yeah. the interviewer is on their best behavior when they're in the room with you. And, you know, we don't really have an how to overcome this and how to how to get through it, because honestly, this is a personal thing. Yeah, it if really you, is. If you look at it and you go, all right, this is just someone who really doesn't know how to interview, then the choice is up to you. If you you feel uncomfortable by it. All I can say is my suggestion, my personal suggestion, what I have told other friends is there are other jobs. Yeah. Don't go into it with a scarcity mindset. Yeah. And then again, you may be in a situation where, you know, let's say that you're, you know, let's, let's say that you're from India, right? And they're, and they're asking questions and your, your gut feel is, hey, they're curious about my culture. And, and, you know, that's what you're feeling out of this. That, you know, and, and you're willing to go for the job, go for it. We're not trying to tell you either way, but if, if you're at the point where it is making you uncomfortable, like that's information. And that's that's where the call is is really up to you. And, and that's why I said, hey, look, this person's probably on their best behavior for the interview because you know that 
that what you're experiencing in that interview is probably going to be the best you get. And it may be, you go, okay, I can put up with, you know, they're right on the line. Well, more than likely you take that job, you're going to see over the line. That's um, very Especially true. when people get stressed. And so I'm not going to tell you what to do on this one. This isn't something that can be overcome except by having a strong sense of self and getting rid of scarcity mentality. Because if the, if the job is going to discriminate against you or it looks like it is, walk away um, and, and get another one and go win there. Exactly. Now, what we've talked about are just a few of the common types of bad interview questions that you might see while interviewing. Now, remember that you're interviewing them as well. So be on the lookout for warning signs. You might not want to work there. It's up to you to make the determination whether you're going to like this job or not. And if you're an interviewer, try to avoid asking these types of questions. Instead, look for questions similar to the ones that we'll be asking next week in the episode we have on mock interviews. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I, I kind of want to reiterate um, what we've said throughout this this episode. You know, you're, you're going to hear these kind of questions and of all of these types. Um, if you interview for long enough, you're going to hear stupid questions. You're going to hear unethical ones. You're going to hear leading questions, etc. Don't necessarily make the assumption out of the gate when you hear one of these that that means that the place is somewhere that you can't work um, or that you don't want to work. Assuming malice when stupidity is a sufficient explanation um, is probably not in your best interest. Um, you know, forget all the other stuff. You know, you you've got to eat. Um, you you do need employment for that to to work easily for you. So don't make a decision based on a reaction to an initial impression. Make sure that you're correct in your assessment before you react. Like Beach said, you know, you're interviewing them as well. So you, you can look for other things um, in addition to what we listed. You, know, you could say, hey, this person just strikes me as really awkward and I don't want to be around them. They never ask me any dumb questions. They never did anything wrong. And that's perfectly valid. But the, the core of it is, is try to approach things in a way that you can calmly make a decision because this is important and you can't calmly make a decision if your first reaction or your current reaction is hey they're being stupid start with the assumption that you know they're coming in good faith and then work from there that's all i got If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with the news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.